0: Welcome to another episode of the Random Joe Show. It's May 5th, Cinco de Mayo, and I hope you've had an amazing week. I certainly have, both with our game of the week and with the hype for Destiny 2's new expansion, Warmind. Many of you know Destiny 2 is my favorite game at the moment, and Destiny is my favorite game of all time, so anytime there's new Destiny content, I am all over that. We will talk about all of it, but first, let me introduce the show. This is The Random Joe Show. It's a podcast where I invite you, the listener, to play a random game with me. My assumption would be that if you're like me, you may have a bunch of games sitting around that either you've collected via different uh, Steam sales or free games on Xbox Live or PlayStation Plus, and you may have that huge backlog thinking, I need to get back to those games and play them. This is an opportunity to do that. We're like a video game book club where we select a game each week and we all play it together. You, the listeners, me, the host, we all play it and then I share my impressions of the game and also relay some of your feedback about it too. Sometimes the games are a little bit more well liked and and ones that we all play together. Sometimes they're free games on Xbox or PlayStation that month. But either way, that's what we do here at the Random Joe Show. Uh, what you do in sending your thoughts to me is you give them to me on Twitter or on Discord. My Twitter handles are JR Meaden or Random Joe Show will also work. I check that one a little bit less frequently, but uh, you can send it there as well, and I will get it. I appreciate so much many of your guys' support so far. And each show has a section where I talk about the game of the week. I tell what it is, what I liked, what I didn't like, my overall impressions. And then share what other games I've been playing. Cough, Destiny 2, Cough, Cough. Basically that's the Destiny 2 part of the show. And then maybe another game or two. And then uh, from there, we, uh, we sign off. Now I'm itching to talk about all the things this week. There are so many awesome things that, that I've been able to play. And I'm excited to share with you both the game of the week, which I tremendously enjoyed. And also all my time in Destiny 2. So let's get started. The game of the week this past week was Rayman Legends. What is Rayman Legends? Well, if you haven't played a Rayman game before, it's a zany colorful 2D platformer made by Ubisoft. It's been going on for a long time. And Legends brings the 2D platforming challenge and variety that you might expect from a game of its genre like Mario. But it was built this particular version, Legends, was built as a Wii U exclusive. So in a desire to utilize the touchpad and invite cooperative play, many levels have had this little green frog thing that the other player, the second player, could control on the touchpad. And in porting that game over, they basically assigned it just to a button. But that's kind of the the gimmick, if you will. If you think about like Mario games, each of them have kind of a gimmick, whether it's the Wiimote or... Um, you know, the Wii U gamepad or with the Switch, you know, with the different, you know, you can take the controllers apart and you can use somebody with the hat, you know, there's always some kind of a gimmick going on. And and with that, you have in this game, the gimmick of a touchscreen. Well, there's no touchscreen on the PlayStation. So instead what they've done is they've mapped that to one uh, button on the controller. I think you might be able to play it co-op where somebody presses the button or uses even the uh, The little there's like a touch pad on the uh, middle of the PlayStation controller. I'm not really sure they use it for some other things But when it got ported because Wii U turned out to be such a commercial disaster It really didn't do anything sales-wise and It was very difficult for a game to get a lot of sales recognition uh, They remap the feature to the one button as I was talking about and I uh, and that allowed them to kind of send it out to all these different consoles, even though it was intended to be a, a, uh, an exclusive for Wii U. Uh, now, Rayman Legends was my first Rayman game. i never played any of the other ones that had been made. And, and I picked it up when it first came out for PlayStation 4 when it was released there because I had very few PS4 games to play. That was in that period of time in that first year after the console came out where half the games that were released were really just old games that were being remastered and put on the console. And when you don't really have that many games for your shiny new console, you buy a lot of stuff that you wouldn't have normally tried. This was 40 bucks and it sounded like a pretty good package. I looked at the the review scores and IGN had given this thing a 9.5 and I thought, man, I should give this thing a shot. I remember loving it back then. And I'm excited to tell you about the parts I liked on this playthrough as well. So what are the things that I liked about this game? Well, first the soundtrack is really bright, really cheery, really varied and very fun. The the audio design in this game is really excellent. From just the the little noises and the the sound that it takes to pick up stuff to the music and the soundtrack, there's a lot of orchestral stuff, there's a lot of kind of zany silly things and it really all fits together really nicely. It is it is really off the wall, kind of weird uh, but in a, in a kind of endearing kind of way. I found the soundtrack to be really, really brilliant and uh, one of the best parts of the game. It's the first thing I wrote down as I was playing through it because it strikes you from the get-go. It's just really good. The One of the other things I appreciate about the game is that the platforming requires a level of precision, but it conveys inherent reward for quick and accurate play. What I mean by that is that one of the mechanics of the game is that if you get hit by anything you're dead immediately. And that level of precision that's de- that, that is demanded by the game is kind of compensated on in terms of difficulty by a quick and generous respawn system to put you right back to where you were before. And just the the way that they set up things is that they telegraph they either telegraph what you're going to have to do or you learn through experience, but because they checkpoint you so quickly beforehand, you're able to very easily and quickly make progress. Now, one of the other things that's really awesome is that there are numerous secrets and hidden collectibles throughout the stages that are fun and satisfying to discover. And those collectibles and secrets are all tied to your progression through the game and unlocking future levels. So there are these things called lums, which are these little uh, yellow, they look like, I don't even know how to describe them. Everything in this game is so weird. Um, they look like fireflies with crazy faces on them that don't really have any distinguishing features. They're just like yellow circles with wings and goofy faces. Uh, There's like 600 of them on most levels, and some you'll get through like these special coins. Some of them will be trapped in cages. And sometimes what they'll do is they'll, they'll obscure that object, and you'll have to jump up into an area where it looks like the environment covers it, but it's actually open. They play with perspective a lot as a 2D platformer, similar to what Donkey Kong Country uh, does in the, I think it's in Returns, um, in the, the Wii, and, the, and I think it's the Wii game and the Wii U game, and now the one that's on Switch, in that you can kind of move backwards and forwards from the foreground to the background of the, of the, of the stage, whatever you want to call it they did this as well as kind of a a callback to it in smash brothers in the most recent one where you could move to the one side of the stage and then back again, that mechanic is on display here. And sometimes the things that are hidden in the stages are those lums or what they do is there are these blue people. I don't even know what they're called. They're weird. There's 12 of them in each stage and two of them are hidden behind a special mechanical puzzle that's in a secret location that you have to go through a door to obtain, to access. Now, once again, this is a 2D area, but they found a way to kind of cleverly disguise and hide some of these different aspects. And searching for these secrets is incredibly satisfying. They did a great job at providing subtle motivation to get you to want to discover them and want to find them. And there's an inherent joy to be found in just exploring and finding these things. Um, the secrets are are just everywhere, and it's really enjoyable to, uh, to get that perfect clear. The levels are also fairly short, and so that makes even both the secrets and the, the precision platforming all the better, because you won't have to play any individual level too long before you're completing it and moving on to the next one, or if you have to return to it in order to find that one stray blue dude, or... That lum that escaped you you know, As you're coming through the first time And and a perfect run doesn't mean You have to get all the lums It just means you have to get up to 600 Or 300 or 100 depending on the stage um, Music levels I, I've got to really give a shout out to this Music levels are incredible What I mean by that is there are At the end of each There's a painting that requ- is a certain stage It's themed And Once you get to the end of it, you fight a boss. And the boss levels are also excellent. I'll talk about them here in a moment. But after you complete the boss level and get through the final stage in that world, so to speak, the last painting, the last area, the last level is a music level. And the music level has a track playing and you have to basically sprint through the level and make jumps and everything's in time with the beat and in time with the music. The really fun thing is that many of the songs that are utilized for this are licensed songs. For instance, songs from the Beach Boys, songs from uh, different artists that you'll know immediately. There was an Eye of the Tiger uh, remix in mariachi style, of all things. And it's really fun. And the fact that you kind of know the songs, but it's presented in a really unique and fun and bright way, gives you the, the motivation to like... Hit the hit the beat, hit the timing of it. It it feels like it, it's basically a rhythm level, which is really awesome, and it it combines this really tight platforming that you've gotten good at as you've played through the different levels, and gives you this incredible payoff for that. The music levels are the best things in the whole game. Then there's like sixteen bit versions of each of those or maybe they're called 8-bit versions, I forget, 16-bit versions of each of those different songs, and they add a dynamic to it that makes it incredibly difficult, and it doesn't give you any checkpoints. Those are the best points of the game. They're the crown jewel of the game. The music levels are absolutely incredible. I wish the whole game was the music levels. It's They're so good. And this goes back into the soundtrack being so good, because... One component of that is that these music levels work so well on a musical soundtrack level, but they're also just so much fun to play. They're excellent. One of the other things to to give note to is that the sheer size and scope of the game is unbelievable. This game packs at least 100 levels, each of them feeling distinct, even within worlds of the same theme. I mentioned there's like a mariachi-themed world that has... It's weird. The whole style of this game is weird. I'm going to get into that with stuff I dislike, okay? It's, this game is weird. But uh, there's a mariachi level, and there's, like, cake, and there's, like, cake with teeth on it, and it's it's just weird. But even within that, there's chicken levels where you're literally a chicken. You have been turned into a chicken magically, and now all the physics are different. There are levels where you have to go through and use that little guy I mentioned before where you press the button and he moves through and, and it would be normally mapped to somebody on a touchpad, you know, swiping to remove bits of cake or add a platform or whatever. And each of those different, like the variety of it makes each level feel distinct. The game has a ton of content. I think there's 700 of those of those blue lums and I'm not even sure that that counts Or not the blue lums, the blue whatever they're called. And that doesn't even count all the ones that are in Origins, I believe. Origins, which I should mention, the previous game before this, is basically included in this game. The farther you go, you get these things called Lucky Tickets. And the Lucky Tickets will give you extra lums, extra of those blue dudes, extra of these creature things that give you more lums, and essentially will unlock extra characters. The other thing that the Lucky Tickets provide is Origins levels. So they've basically taken the, the whole game of Origins and just stuffed it into this one. Now, it's funny because I, I played through some of these Origins levels. I like them significantly less than Legends. I think that Legends is just incredibly well-designed, and it is, it is, they were significantly better than Origins levels, in my opinion. That, that being said, I've not really played any other Rayman games. So it could be that just Legends was my style. It could be that I played Legends and that's what I'm used to now. I don't know. But I will say that the size of this game is just incredible. And even though I didn't love the Origins levels, the fact that they included a whole nother game on the disc is pretty ridiculous. The variety of mechanics also keeps play surprising and fun. And it forces you to continue to improve and learn as you play. As I mentioned, there's these levels where you have to basically sprint through the whole thing. You're being chased by, by certain things or you're, you're chasing after someone else. You have music levels. You have these exploration sections where it, the level's really large, top to bottom, and you can move back and forth and 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 find these secret areas. It's really cool. There's a lot of vertical movement in some of these spaces. There's levels where the wind is blowing either from the bottom or from the top or from the side, and that affects your physics and how you move through the environment. Um, there's there's sections where you literally change size into a small little dude, and then you have to. You're exploring different areas that you can fit into now. You have boss battles. You have these Mission Impossible lasers. You have light and dark tunnels. There really are a lot of different mechanics that are brought in, and they almost all work very well. The boss battles are hard, epic, and exciting. The, the boss battles I faced in this one, you have a... Oh, I'm trying to remember all the boss battles now. One of them is a big fat dragon dragon. He's really fat who spews stuff at you and you have to kind of like take him out using these, you know, jump pads and whatever else you have a a snake that comes at you because you you, there's underwater levels, which are actually good. They're actually good underwater levels. I I know crazy. And you're navigating through there and escaping as this, you know, dragon is chasing you. You have a luchador that you have to fight at one point. There's a frog in metal armor that can fly because he has jet boots. Um, it's really weird. Once again. This game's really weird. But uh it's pretty good. These boss battles are awesome. Also there this is like a small thing. This is not really a big deal. There's like a, a little bit of a music that plays like da 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 da. It plays at the end of when you 100% a world. So you get those 600 things and it kind of plays this little music as it, you know, shows and that terrible rendition of me kind of singing that melody is because I, I I couldn't help but dance every time I got it. It was so satisfying. It's a little nice little touch. It's wonderful. Also, the technical aspect of the Ubi Art Engine, the Ubi Art Engine, um, makes the 2D cartoony aesthetic look brilliant from time to time. The way that the particle effects, the way that they do some of the on-screen effects with it being 2D. Really looks good. And I love the UB art engine. There's a couple other UB art games I've played, like Child of Light or Valiant Hearts, and they all look really nice. Here's the what I dislike, though. We'll transition. So those are the things I like. There's a lot of things I liked about this game. Here are the things I dislike. This is also not a short list. The art style, for me, was weird and off-putting. There's like a a weird like the the characters all look really oddly shaped. They all have goofy looks on their faces. There's literally a dude at the beginning of the game who is looks like he's got like a hookah or something. It's it's his dream pipe. I don't even know. It's weird. There's some weird stuff, okay? And when you when you look at what's happening in the game, like you almost have to just kind of like divorce yourself from all of the goofy character designs. At least I do. Maybe you like it. Maybe you enjoy the art style. E- even when, uh, there were some videos that were detailing the PlayStation plus, uh, free games this month, which this is one of them. And, uh, we're literally saying, don't let the art style put you off. This is a good game. I would tend to agree with that. Ass- that assessment. Uh, I-, I don't like the art style in Rayman. I think it's weird. I think it's goofy like not in a good way i, I the creatures are weird and creepy it's just they're weird the names of the character models the, the, even the heroes like they feel different there's a dude who looks like a giant frog that's got like a super long torso he's got a weird look it's just weird they're just weird now other things i didn't like there are not nearly enough music levels in this game. This is something Black Dragon also said when we were chatting about it in our in our Discord. Uh, the music levels are tremendous. There are not nearly enough music levels in this game. There's just not. There could have been 30, though, and I would have probably said that, too. Um, so that's, I mean, it's kind of a a positive because I like them so thoroughly, but, man, those music levels. There should. I wish there were, like, 15, 20 more of them. They were great. Um... There's also only one save file, and I found this out because I restarted my progress so that I could start this game from the beginning, but I was really upset because I wanted to play all my music levels that I had, you know, opened up and all the boss battles, because the boss battles are great, and I couldn't because I had to overwrite my save, and that's something that I wish they would have accounted for. I feel like in this digital age where you're saving to a hard drive, there should never be that kind of limitation on saves. I, I'm not a game designer, so there's probably something I don't know. <laughs> I really admit that. But I really wish there would be multiple save files so that you could go back, it's a great game, it's worth replaying. And I wish you could set up multiple profiles. What else? Uh, the lucky ticket system. This is, this is kind of one aspect of the reward systems. There are a lot of these reward systems that seem bolted on and and just unnecessary. They seem superfluous, they don't really make a lot of sense, and they're just an extra layer of unnecessary complexity, in my opinion. You have these creatures that you get. What do the creatures do? Nothing. They give you lums. What do the lums do? Basically nothing. They unlock characters. These creatures then pop up and you have this... If you go into the, the pause screen, you have your tickets that you have to scratch open, and you have to do them all individually to find out what bonus that you get... Sometimes you just get lums. It'd be better, I feel like, if you hit that marker, because you get the tickets if you... There's four reward tiers, right? So there's like your your bronze, your silver, your lucky ticket, and your gold status for any given level, depending on how many lums you get, okay? So if they just did the third one where you hit that, and then it's like, this is what you got, that would make more sense to me. Why have you get these lucky tickets that you have to scratch off? You literally, if you have a PS4 controller, have to rub the the touchpad in order to scratch off the different portions of it so that you can see what you got, but it largely doesn't matter at all. Why not just cook that into the other, the other part of this, even some of the, the character unlock stuff was hidden behind some of these things. And it's not that this, this doesn't require money. It's not microtransactions. It's just weird. Why would you add this extra system on? It just adds an unnecessary layer of complexity. It distracts from what is such a great game. And I found myself just kind of scratching my head at this. It was just annoying. And it was an unnecessary addition that didn't add anything, and in, in some ways took away from it, I feel like. I could be wrong on that one, but that was my my general impression of that lucky ticket system. One of the other things that's hard about this game is the controls and physics are really different from most other platformers. Most platformers, they take after Mario, right? Because Mario is... is He's the granddaddy of all of these platforming games, right? So most platforming games have the weight to them of a Mario 3 or Mario World. Even something like Mario Maker has the same kind of, there's a weight to him. There's a physics to it that if you're sprinting and you jump, there's a certain transference of movement that when you attack, you kind of expect it to do certain things because you've played a lot of Mario and and other games like that. Now, ultimately, what you end up seeing with this is that the the characters just feel floaty by comparison. Now, it it took me a little while. It ended up being fine. But it definitely took me a few hours to stop from falling off ledges and just missing jumps constantly. The, the last negative, and really the, most, the, the one that I feel most strongly about, except for the art style, I hate the art style, is the drawing mechanic. I mentioned that there's that special mechanic, that gimmick that they included for the Wii U, that they had to just simplify into a button press. It doesn't hold up here, I don't think. It ends up being either too easy, because instead of you having to actually touch a certain spot on the screen and be precise, you just push the button. There's a, a spot where you're, there are several different buttons that all control platforms. And when you press a button, it retracts one platform and it brings another one into the foreground, which allows you then to, you're jumping around, you know, and you want to have the right platform up. Well, in this one, you just have to then jump, press the button, jump, press the button, jump, press the button. Whereas in the original version, you're pressing on different parts of the screen, which makes it more engaging. So it either ends up trivializing some of these puzzles or it makes them really, really frustrating because it's ultimately less precise than you need it to be. There's a section where you're in that Mexican mariachi area and you you press the button and he spreads guacamole in a line. Now, I if you're on the Wii U, I'm assuming that you can just paint that line where you want it to be so that it catches that hot sauce and you don't get hit by it. The problem is that when, by, when you just press a button and he just puts it there, sometimes it's not... It doesn't draw the way you want it to draw. It becomes too imprecise and it feels frustrating because you're not playing co-op, nobody's helping you, and you're pressing this button and it's not doing exactly what you want it to do. There are other times when he just kind of goes to what would logically be the next thing, but you might want to click on something on a different part of the screen and he's not on there and there's no way to reposition him other than just hope that it goes well. Now, luckily, once again, this is It's not too bad because of the way that they checkpoint the game, the way that they introduce some of those things. It's not as bad, but it's definitely frustrating. I don't think it holds up. So what are my overall impressions? Well, I really like Rayman Legends. It's a great 2D platformer, but it definitely has its issues, at least for me. Its size, variety, particularly its music levels and boss levels make this a must-play title if you like platformers. You should definitely get it, definitely try it out. If you didn't pick it up this last week and you have a PlayStation, it's free. Download the thing. It's great. The soundtrack is also fantastic, especially as it relates to the music levels and how it sets the tone for the game. However, its art style, its learning curve from a control perspective, its unnecessary reward system layers, and its hit-and-miss unique mechanic hold it back from being a classic for me. My hope is that I'd be able to play a game like Rayman Legends that does many of the things that Rayman does so well, but without having that mechanic, without having some of those different things that I think that they will shed when they come out with the next big release. I'm not sure they will, though. They've been doing some mobile games. The mobile games are all phenomenal as well. But I'd love to see them come back with another Legends-esque game. Ultimately, though even those negatives although they don't make it really exceptional they don't diminish the joy that i experienced from this very fun game i I like this game and it's one that i i I remember fondly it was it came out at a good time for me to play and really invest in i think i beat all the levels i got all the i got almost all of the the blue dudes i got almost all the lums so i really invested i enjoyed it tremendously so that's rayman legends that was our game of the week what did you think about it um Black Dragon had similar thoughts to me. He really thought it was a great game, and uh, I'm not sure what other Rayman games he might have played, but he really enjoyed it and said some of the same things about the music levels and the boss levels really being the star of the show and those really kind of being the the things that he remembers most from the game because they were so unique and well-executed. That brings us to our What Else We've Been Playing, a.k.a. the Destiny part of the show. So Destiny 2, Warmind is coming. This week, I spent a lot of time getting hyped for Warmind. There's a ton of news coming out. Bungie basically put out a video or a comic or something like every single day. And I'll tell you, every, every time I play Destiny, I, I think about one of the things that they're adding to the game because I'm interacting with the game and thinking, man, I, I could just do this. That'd be so cool. It almost feels like there's two expansions releasing. There's the quality of life updates that come with Season 3, And there's the expansion stuff that is coming with the actual paid expansion. The quality of life updates we're getting. Exotic sandbox changes. They're making a lot of these exotics great. Instead of taking Vigilance Wing, which right now is an outlier, it's crushing people. Stuff like The Colony, stuff like Legend of Vakreus, which are really just destroying people in the Crucible. Instead of taking those and bringing them back down, they're leaving those where they are and they're bringing other exotics up to their level so that you really have to debate and think about what kind of play style you want to have as defined by your exotic this was one of my favorite things about d1 in that your exotic did in many ways define your play style and and i like that they're returning to that kind of vision for exotics and really seeking to make them very good so these exotic sandbox changes are going to mean that there's going to be so many exotics that are going to be worth using and trying out Additionally, there's going to be exotic catalysts, exotic masterworks that are coming. And this is the feature that I'm most excited about more than anything else, which is crazy because there's like a whole expansion coming. I'm most excited about the exotic catalysts that are coming. These are essentially upgrades to your exotics that will allow them to both generate orbs on multi-kills as well as gain a significant stat bonus or a, a special perk But in order to unlock the catalyst, you must first find the catalyst from doing specific uh, tasks, and many of them are going to be RNG-based and very rare drops, which will give you a reason to grind away at those things. I I love the forge weapons. In Curse of Osiris, there were several weapons that required you to go and do activities, and as you do completed activities, you would get drops that would be materials that you could then turn into a vendor, and you could then turn those into a gun and i really enjoyed those they were very grindy a lot of people did not enjoy them i did them on both playstation and on xbox and i still love them because every time i logged in they gave me something to work towards they gave me something to pursue they gave me something to chase after they gave me something to try and uh, and i really appreciated those things catalysts seem like they're doing the same thing but it's for your exotics i'm also excited to see once you obtain the the how they're going to force you to use the weapon in activities that make sense to upgrade that weapon and make it even better. The first thing I want to do is upgrade all of my exotics into these catalyst forms, and it seems like it's going to push those exotics even farther into that position of making yourself a niche playstyle that's worthwhile. I'm very excited about those changes. They're also increasing vault space by 100, so you can hold 100 more things, which will put the Destiny 2 vault significantly more space at, at a place of significantly more space than the destiny one vault ever was very excited about that more opportunities to hoard and foster that hoarding problem also vendor ranks now they haven't com- they haven't shared exactly how this is going to work with stuff like the vanguard potentially the factions but there is going to be vendor progression that is going to impact certain items that you could get by upgrading a faction a certain amount additionally it's going to take the form of crucible ranks in the crucible, both glory and, and uh, what is it? Glory and valor are the two different systems. One is a prestiging experience based system. And the other is a win based uh, performance based system that goes up or down, depending on if you win or lose. And I'm very excited to try those out. I'm very excited to play with those new crucible ranks. And I'm sure that being the scrub that I am, I will not have a very high glory rank, which is the one that goes up and down. Cause I will lose a lot. But I will have, hopefully, a very, very high number of resets and prestiges in the other. Additionally, we're getting new maps. We are getting private matches, which very excited to try out private matches. I always love playing. Uh, the first thing I'm going to play is Rumble with a bunch of people. I love that. Uh, there's new ornaments coming for the uh, some of the exotics, for uh, even just the armor sets. One of the things that I love doing at the beginning of Season 2, when Curse Osiris dropped, is they had these... Optional objectives that related to the the armor set so the vanguard set was tied to strikes The crucible set was tied to the crucible and in order to unlock the ornaments Which was essentially a new armor set in terms of its look But you could just unlock it on your already existing armor sets What you'd have to do is complete certain objectives within that mode There's an iron banner set faction sets all kinds of other ones I'm very excited for the way that they're handling this and I'm looking forward to new ornaments to grind There's also season three Eververse stuff, and and it seems like they're continuing to put cosmetic items more and more in the game, which is wonderful, and they're also providing more ways to get Eververse stuff directly and through just playing. There's a new system called the Prismatic Matrix system. I think I got the name right, and this system allows you, there's like 10 items, and essentially what you can do is you'll get a prismatic charge that you can use to basically get one of those 10 things. So instead of the entire pool of Eververse stuff and spending, like, let's say, like right now, if you were to go and say, I'd love to get this exotic ship that I really like, I'm going to spend 10 bucks and buy five Engrams. You could do that, but getting that ship is so rare, you're probably not going to get it. You're going to get a bunch of random stuff. This is a way for them to essentially say, well, the exotic ship is in the loot pool. So at most... You know, you you might spend 20 bucks to get it, but you will get it, because every time one of those items is gotten, you can strike it off the list, you'll get one of those charges for free, and then if you want to buy additional charges because there's one item that you specifically want, at worst, you're going to have to spend 10 charges to get it, but then you'll get it, and you'll get those other nine things at the same time. I think it's a good system, and I'm looking forward to seeing exactly how it's implemented. That's my understanding of it. Things could change between now and release. Nightfall updates. I have loved the Nightfall. I'm a little bit wary about this one. This is honestly the only thing that I'm nervous about. But I was wrong about the last time the Nightfall updated. I'm happy to be wrong again. Very excited about the fact, though, that they're continuing to upgrade and, and update these systems. Heroic strike uh, strikes are getting modifiers. Also kind of cool on this one. I like the idea of just running whatever you want. But it might be fun to have these modifiers. Now that's all the stuff that we're getting is quality of life. None of that stuff's paid for. You don't have to pay for any more of that. I think that all of these updates coming in, even if all of that was all we were getting, that'd be worth the the asking price of the expansion for me. But in addition to that, they're giving us a new patrol space, a new campaign. They're giving us two, or if you're on PlayStation, three strikes. They're giving us the excavation protocol or escalation protocol. I always call it the wrong thing. Uh, I even wrote the wrong thing in my notes. The, The escalation protocol event, is, looks like it's going to be really good it's a new endgame event where it's kind of like a horde mode mixed with if you played in d1 the prison or the uh archon's forge and or the uh the court of oryx which i really liked both of those so this is really cool it's bosses and waves of enemies and as you go through there's some really great weapons that you can obtain from it additionally there's going to be a new raid layer new exotics to collect new quests to do, new collectibles to get, new level cap, new power cap. I'm so excited to play this. Very, very excited to try it out. I'm very excited to, uh, to get a chance to, to get at it and, and really enjoy what this game has to offer. Now, what did I do in D2 this week, though? Well, first, I played a lot of Iron Banner. Well, I played a little bit of Iron Man. I played a lot of Nightfalls. Um, I got my second set of ornaments just in time, on playstation so i now have both full sets of iron banner ornaments one on xbox one on playstation additionally i got the nightfall auto there was a special drop from the nightfall strike this week i got it on xbox after eight runs but i'm still trying to get it on playstation it's very good i tried it out on xbox and i like it a lot it's got rampage and it's the style of auto rifle i like the sound of it's cool the look of it's cool i really like this thing So I'm trying to get it on PlayStation. Still haven't gotten it after about 30 runs. So hopefully I will get it soon. Now, next week, there's there's no way I'm playing another game than Destiny 2. So we're just going to do it this way. The game of the week next week is going to be Destiny 2 Warmind. If you want to play it with us, awesome. We'll return back to a normal kind of game like we've been doing. We're going to be doing Into the Breach in two weeks. But but this week coming up is going to be Warmind. And and ultimately, we're going to discuss it. We'll talk about it. We'll go through it. And one of the things I want to do on the show is, if I can get the time, midweek, I'd like to do some impressions. I'd like to read through some patch notes. So those of you who are really into Destiny 2, I want that to be a resource for you. We'll do an all-Destiny show. And then uh, we'll come back to a normal episode format here doing what we normally do here. But that's what we're planning on doing. So there's there's just no way I'm going to play enough of anything else to have an opinion on it other than Destiny 2. So we're going to do that. Destiny 2 Warmind is the game of the week next week. We're going to play Warmind. It's going to be fantastic. We're going to have a lot of fun. Also, other game I played this week was Slay the Spire. I spent a lot of time with Slay the Spire. If you're unfamiliar with Slay the Spire, it's a wonderful indie game. It is a dungeon crawler. In which you choose which path you're going to tread through the dungeon. And each path is kind of laid out on a... If you think about like a little path. Like a little dotted line moving through like a treasure map. And there are many different paths that intersect and cross over one another. And you're moving all of those paths eventually end up at at a boss. There's three tiers of the dungeon. Each guarded by the boss. Of that specific tier. And... The, the layouts are all randomly generated. And so every time you play, it's something different. And each one of those little dotted lines, it runs through varying encounters or it runs through certain elite enemies or regular enemies. And, and it's a deck building game, similar to a game like Dominion. If you've played that, that's one of my favorite games uh, where you basically start out with a standard deck of cards. And then as you go through the game, you add cards to your deck that then you use in the next one after you play through all the cards that you that are in your deck, you then will keep, continue to draw through and reshuffle what you had before. So this is a deck building game in which you move through and instead of you kind of control using your cards for monsters or whatever, you are a character. So you could be the ironclad, which is this warrior type. Uh, you could be the silent, which is this poisoning assassin type. Or the new character, the derelict, which is this automaton that has become sentient and i don't exactly understand but it's pretty crazy he summons magical orbs because he can do that what you do though is as the game moves on you'll get new cards you'll get new abilities you'll get new passives from defeating enemies and moving through the dungeon if your hp goes down to zero you lose you go back to the beginning i find that to be a fairly cool mechanic it makes it more of a roguelike because you'll unlock other cards you can utilize and as you get towards the end game there's a daily climb which adds crazy modifiers and then there's also the ascension model where it makes certain parts of the game more difficult as you climb the ascension ladder so the first tier might be regular enemies are more difficult to kill second tier might be elites appear more often the third might be don't you don't heal when you uh, make it through a boss at the end of a a, a tier of the dungeon if you make it through all 50 you know layers then you can unlock the next ascension tier so it's, it's a really good system they've got a lot going in that game it's really fun i played the third character i played a lot of the dailies this week there was one particularly awesome moment where i was down to one hit point i even had curses in my deck because i was play it was one of the dailies and there was crazy stuff and the curse basically was going to do damage to me and bypass my shields but i grabbed a card from one of my random card pools that would allow me to reshuffle my deck and redraw my hand just in case i ran into a jam with those curses and i did and so i totally played it reshuffled and survived and won with one hit point left it was really exhilarating there was also a day that I did the daily and I had a 1200 point daily, which was is evidently really good because they give you score based on different things you do and how difficult you make it for yourself and how fast you make it through those kinds of things. And uh, I had a hundred cards in my deck because it was a, it was a day where if you pick up a card, you get two, you get two more of them with it and you can't get rid of any cards out of your deck in that particular run. It was great. So I did three dailies total this week, uh, including the one today was um, there was a, a, a derelict one where the main modifier was shiny, which is instead of starting with a bunch of common cards, you start with one of each of all the rare cards, which is both a blessing and a curse because these are the cards that really you can leverage to make your deck great. But the problem is that all of them are so specified and they all relate to the varying strategies that that character can utilize that essentially you're kind of stuck if you don't end up picking up those basic cards because those cards need the basic cards to really be exceptional and so you kind of have to steer your deck and I'm still learning that third character he's very hard to use I feel but very powerful if you can leverage his skills but I'm really loving this game I can't wait to see what they add next I've heard they're doing more characters they're going to be coming out of beta they've got more features coming it's great If you have not tried out Slay the Spire and it sounds interesting to you, a deck-building, roguelike, dungeon-crawling, turn-based strategy game, check it out. It's worth it. It's like 15 bucks. Definitely worthwhile. Well, that's all I played this past week. I don't think I played any other games. It was just those. Lots of Slay the Spire, lots of Destiny 2, and a fair bit of Rayman Legends. I did beat the first four worlds on Rayman Legends, cleared all the stages, and got... I think I was in the, I think I had like 250 of those 700 blue dudes. So I collected most of the the collectibles as I went. Um, That's what I did. That's what I played. I hope you had a great week playing video games yourself. I hope that you got a chance to play Rayman. If you didn't, I hope you do this week. I hope you'll also play our game with us next week. Destiny 2 Warmind, I hope you'll play that let me know what you think, there'll be another show coming out Saturday as I explain to you uh, what I have enjoyed about Warmind and what I think about it we'll go a little bit deeper into Destiny than we normally do and it'll be awesome if you've been enjoying what you've been hearing please reach out to me on Twitter my Twitter handle is JRMeaden or you can do the Random Joe Show all one word, that's another spot where you can get to me, I, I don't get to that as often but definitely hit me up there Uh, Thanks to Dreadnought and Bitdead for the shoutouts this last week. Really appreciate it. And all of those who, there were many others that liked my posts or that shared it with their friends and retweeted it. I think Holden Court and Arrow Knight did and many other guys. If I forgot you, I'm sorry. (laughs) But really the support has been wonderful. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, I hope you're going to play Warmind with me. I hope that you'll chat with me about how you're enjoying it. And uh, once again, that that is the game of the week next week. And then after that is going to be Into the Breach. I'm really excited to play this. It's by the developer who created FTL, which is a, a roguelike uh, space game. This one, Into the Breach, and from what I understand, is it's a turn-based strategy game on a grid, similar to something like Advance Wars, but on a smaller scale. With a more chess-like approach to it, and you control mechs, and you're trying to get aliens out of the world so they don't destroy everything. It sounds great. I've heard only good things about it. It got a nine on IGN. I want to try it out and play more of it. So thank you so much for listening. Thanks for being a part of this show. I hope you have a fantastic week and I will see you next time on the Random Joe Show.